Thank you so much for checking out the audio version of my channel, Ruslan KD, can you stream out loud on all platforms? If you, yes, you find this valuable, the best way you can reach me, the best way you can give me feedback, the best way you can even hop into a group Zoom call with me is through our King's Dream Patreon community. So consider partnering with us there. The link is in the description of this podcast. Thank you so much for all the love and support. Now enjoy. One of the least frequently talked about topics, I think, unfortunately, in modern Christianity, churchianity, whatever you want to call it today, is this idea of addiction. I think a lot of what we think we know about addiction isn't the most relevant, timely information in church culture. I'm not talking about the Bible. I think the Bible is true through and through, inspired word of God. And I want to talk about this idea of addiction in my own life. Some of you guys do or don't know, uh, I've wrestled with different types of addiction, everything from food to sexual immorality. I was molested as a child, so there's some trauma there. I grew up an only kid. Mom is still an alcoholic, still dealing with addiction in that regard. And addiction played out in codependency, played out in just unhealthy ways that just are not the best for somebody to cope, let alone somebody to live a healthy lifestyle, and let alone as somebody who's following Jesus. So uh, I've done one-on-one therapy, group therapy, all kinds of stuff. And it's, you know, obviously biblical counseling, pastoral counseling, that kind of stuff. And I've experienced freedom. I've experienced freedom from the addiction, most notably, you know, dealing with sexual immorality, pornography. Uh, but specifically as of lately, it's been, it's been uh, incredible to move into just this new season where, Stuff that was 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 a hindrance five years ago, ten years ago, just isn't that. It's 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 not, it's it's a non variable in my life, right? And it doesn't mean I don't you know still have some sin and I'm not wrestling with sin. I do. It just means that I, I am not defined by these things, and I, and I, and I'll unpack all that. So, one of the most popular passages that 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 many of us are familiar with is Romans chapter seven. And it's this, this chapter of wrestling with your sin, right? And, and I, if that if that doesn't describe what addiction is, I don't know what does, right? Um, so Romans chapter 7, Paul is referencing his own addiction and or, or what we presume to be addiction. And it says wrestle with the law. And the law is more or less the standards of God, the the desires of God for our lives, and it's re- and it's in contrast with what we're dealing with on this side of eternity, right? And I love I love this passage, but I more importantly love where it lands. And I'm going to give you guys some real practical takeaways in this video if you keep watching till the very end. So let's pick it up. Um, let's pick it up in verse 11. It says, "For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, through knowing what I'm not supposed to do, through knowing what the standard is, deceived me, and through it, ki- it killed me. So the law is holy, and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means." It was sin producing death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh sold under sin. We know that God's standards, God's heart for us, God's ways are spiritual, yet we are sinners because of 
the original sin of Adam that is passed down. And because of our own choices and our own shortcomings and because of the sins that have been committed against us, that also cause us to sin. Hurt people hurt people, right? (laughs) And he goes on to say, verse 15, he says, for I do not understand my actions. This is a verse that many of us who've dealt with addiction can relate to. He says, for I do not understand my actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law is good. So this notion that you can you you can have a revelation of God, you can have the truth of God, you can understand God's ways for your heart, but still do the things that you don't want to do is in scripture, believe it or not. In verse 17, it says, so now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. When you don't even feel in control of what you're doing. When the the psychology or, you know, evolutionary biology would call this your lizard brain, right? Like you go back to just like instinct, see red, just straight bypass whatever it is that's logical or formative in that state of mind. However you want to describe it, this is a phenomenon that whether you are a follower of Jesus, a spiritual person, or a completely just naturalistic person, you know that there's something in humans that we do things that we don't want to do sometimes, right? Verse 17, so it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but the but not the ability to carry out. Uh, for the longest of my life, I had the desire to do what is right, but I didn't always have the ability to carry it out, right? This is an interesting choice of language that Paul is using here as he's writing to the Romans. He's saying he has the ability to... He, he has the desire, but not the ability. And I feel like there's some of us watching this right now, if we're very transparent, that you have the desire, but you lack the ability. Okay, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but it is the sin that dwells in me. He kind of like really drives home that point. In verse 21, it says, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. I delight in the law of God. I delight in the ways of God. I know what the ways of God are, right? But I see in my members (laughs) another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? So Paul just sounds totally hopeless. He's just like, yo, what a wretched man I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? But check this out. Check, check, check where this goes. He says, verse 28, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. Now, now the beautiful part about this is the thing he says in the very next chapter, because again, chapters and verses, I say this all the time on the channel, chapters and verses weren't added until about a thousand years later. Check out where it goes immediately after this. Uh, Chapter eight, it says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free 
in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk, not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the flesh. Okay, this is this is dope. What I love about this passage is Paul again paints this very bleak state of humanity. He and, and he does it repeatedly, right? He does it in Titus three. He does it in Ephesians two. He does it here again in Romans uh, seven and six. Uh, excuse me, seven and eight. And he and what does he do? He takes it back to the gospel. He takes it back to Jesus. He says, "Listen, guys, sin is hard. It sucks." I, I be doing things I don't even want to be doing. I don't even know how I do the things I don't want to be doing. My mind and my deeper desires want to do it, but my flesh just gets in the way, and it sucks what a wretched man I am. And then he says, but but thanks thanks be to God. Thanks be to Jesus. And then, and then literally, he goes to the gospel. He literally points us back to the good news about Jesus, right? He points us back to the good news about Jesus. Verse 2, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. The law of the spirit, the law of God giving us new desires has set us free from just following the laws and the rules of God's ways because we cannot live up to God's ways. You can't. You can't do it. So Jesus had to do something about it. Verse three, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh cannot do by what? How did God do it? Did you do it? You didn't do it. No, God did it, right? By sending his own son, in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. So he's telling you out the gate, listen, listen, it, humans on their own are in a really bleak state, and it's hard. However, God decided to do something about it. He sent Jesus, he met the requirements of the law, and now... That's already dealt with on the cross. Praise God for that. Yet, there is some expectation for us to continue in this sanctification process. You are saved by grace through faith. It is not your ability to destroy your addiction that saves you. It is not your ability to contain or restrain your sin that sins you. It is not your good works that save you. It is Jesus that saves you. It is the cross that saves you. It is him living the life you couldn't live, addiction-free, sin-free, right? And, and, and dying the death you should have died, the consequences the consequences you should have you should have dealt with Jesus dealt with those right and it is it's not that it's 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 not your actions that save you it's Jesus that does the saving is Jesus that lives a perfect life. So we got to just start with the gospel. And the gospel is, listen, regardless on if you're dealing with addiction or not right now, regardless on if there's some things in your life where you just are like, ah, I just, I can't stop doing this thing. I just, something takes over and mm, it's just, it's like you almost black out and you don't even know what you did. You look up and you're like, God, gosh, darn it. I, again, I did it again. Right? That doesn't disqualify you from the grace of God. That doesn't disqualify you from going to heaven. I know, I know some people are going to be like, are you saying, won't save I'm saying that you're saved by grace through faith. I'm saying that you do need to repent and become more like Jesus. But 
I am telling you that it is not your ability to destroy your addiction that saves you. It is the blood of Jesus that saves you. I, we really got to hammer that home because there's, there's still people missing it. And here's the deal. When you get the full revelation of how good the grace of God really is, how amazing his kindness is, it will lead you to, a, to repentance. It will lead you to change your mind about your sin. It will lead you to freedom. So this is how he describes it. This is how he describes it in verse 5. He says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. We're going to talk about how to set our minds on the things of the Spirit, right? For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. I think he's talking about life and peace here. And on this side of eternity, right? For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it is not, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, you, however, check this out. He wrote this whole thing about him wrestling with sin and the things I don't want to do, I do. And the things I, I do want to do, I can't do. But, he, but then he turns around and says, but you are not in the spirit. You are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. The Spirit is alive because of righteousness. You are are alive because of righteousness. Not your righteousness. The righteousness imputed to you by Jesus because of what Jesus did on the cross. This is good news, friends. Now, let's, let's talk about some particulars. Let's talk about some specifics on how to... To, to, to wage war on our sin, how to overcome addiction, how does that process look? How does that process look? And it's not just a uh, pray it away. Well, God, just take this desire away from me. I've prayed that prayer, and you know what? Uh, there's been some things that just went away like that, and there's been other things that decades later, I still had to deal with them. I still had to process them, okay? And so... Um, how, how does what, what what does it mean to set our mind on the things of the spirit? What does it mean to set our minds on the things of the spirit? Well, let's just let's just let's just be honest. Listen again, we we deal with sin because of the sin of Adam that's passed on just just from a our sinful nature standpoint. We deal with the the, the sin that we rebel and choose to have sins of commission where we break the laws of God. We sin when we fall short, and 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 we know there's a standard, and we just fall short of that standard, right? And then we also deal with sin when when people sin against us. We 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 could be on the other side of sin when I was seven, eight, nine years old, being molested by the other kids in a choir, uh, the the choir not the choir, the, 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 the altar boys in the, in the local church. I wasn't choosing that sin. That sin was happening against me yet. Yet the consequences of that stayed with me for decades. The consequences that that followed me into my adult years, right? That someone sinned against me. So there's, there's various degrees on it. The solution is to set our minds on the things of the spirit. How do we set our minds on the things of the spirit? Well, first we have to just start with the notion that, listen, listen, Linda, listen, what you believe will determine how you behave. There was a moment in a, in a season of my life where I didn't believe that I could be delivered, that I could be freed from addiction. I literally didn't believe it. I just didn't believe it. And there's some of you here that don't believe that that God can restore you, that don't believe that God can heal you. And I'm not talking about like just miraculous physical healing. I'm talking about spiritual healing. I'm talking about your soul. I'm talking about that brokenness inside of you. You believe in Jesus and and you believe in God and you believe in all these things. However, 
you don't really believe Jesus when he can, when he says he can restore you. You don't really believe that you you can have your mind on the things of the spirit. You don't really believe that part. You don't believe the restoration and the sanctification is possible for you. And so you continue in this cycle and you continue self-medicating because off the rip, you just haven't even established the belief that, that, that it's possible for you. You haven't even established the belief that it's possible for you. You 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 already have a defeated mindset because you you don't know that there is freedom available, right? And granted, guys, we're not starting in the same same space. Somebody that, that, that that's a survivor of sexual abuse, me destroying the sin of pornography was way more difficult than maybe for some of you guys that are like, yeah, like I was never exposed to pornography, and then I like met a good girl when I was eighteen, and I married her, and I just have sex, and my life is. My life is fun. Okay, that's different. Your, your situation is different, right? Maybe your, your, your sin is different. Maybe your addiction is different. Maybe it's different, right? For me, it, it took a while, but it had to start. It had to start with the belief that it was possible. It had to start with the belief that it was possible. And goodness gracious, that was hard. That, that, that was hard just to start there. And what it required is it required me opening myself up to other people, being exposed to other people, hearing other people's testimonies. I'll, I'll quote you guys a passage from uh, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter four. This is why I think community, I think hearing from different speakers or communicators is healthy because Ecclesiastes chapter four says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toll. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But Woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up, right? Two are better than one. Again, if two lie together, they can keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. So one, it's our mindset. What do you believe about the world? What do you believe about your own situation? What do you believe about your own addiction? Two, it's who are you around? Who are you around, right? Are you around a bunch of folks that are pressing in to freedom, have experienced freedom, or are you around a bunch of people that are just basking in their sin? Oh, this is just who I am. This is just what it is. Does God, is God, does God really care? Well, you know, if, if God didn't, if God hadn't made me so good looking, then you know I I wouldn't be I wouldn't I wouldn't be in such high demand from hooking up with people. And so you know it's just this is just who I, right is that the energy that you're around? Is that the people you're around? Right? They've done studies. This is a study, and I'm, I'm I'm just just follow me along for a minute. But they've done studies and they've they've done research, and they said on average on average if you factor in the average income. Of the five people closest to you, income, we're just going to talk money for a second. If you look at the average income of the five people closest to you, you average that out, more than likely that is your income. Think about that for a second. Think about the people, the, the five closest people, the people that can speak into you, the people that, can, that, 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 that have access to you. Think about what they make, and on average, that's probably going to be what you make. That's crazy when you think about it, right? I would extend that to where you are spiritually. Think about the five people who have access to you, the five people closest to you, the five people that can speak into your life. Think about what their spirituality is. And on average, that's going to be where you're at. Who are you allowing to speak into your mind? Who are you allowing to, to, be, to, to, to have a voice in your life? Who are you allowing 
to affirm you, to encourage you, to empower you, to rebuke you, to correct you, right? Those five people, five closest people are important. Ecclesiastes tell us, hey, it's, it, and, it, and it's good that you're not alone. It'd be, it, it's, I, it would be ideal if you surrounded yourself with people who conquered the very addiction that you're going through. I'm not going to sit here and be like, I'm an expert on AA and all these different things, but there's something to those meetings. There's something to showing up and hearing people say, I'm, I've dealt with this, but I've been sober 25 years. There's something to listening to Dave Ramsey when you're trying to get your finances together and hearing people call in and say, you know, do their debt free screen. I, I, I was in debt. $600,000 and we paid it off and I'm debt free, right? There's something to that. There's there's something to hearing from people that have gone where you want to go and done what you want to do. And if you could have those people in your life, if you could have those people in your local circle, if you could have those people speak to you, oh my gosh, is that, is that powerful? Oh my gosh, is that powerful, right? And so whether it's celebrate recovery or the 12 steps or whatever, by the way, 12 steps were founded in the church. 12 Steps was a Christian program. If you go, go do your research. Those guys are like, Ruslan reference to 12 Steps. Right? The 12 Steps, the big book, that was all written from a Christian worldview. And then they slowly made it more inclusive. Right? Um, and I know a lot of folks that started down that path trying to get help with their addiction. And then when they got into the part about, like, just name a, 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 a figure, a higher authority in the sky, they were like, wait, 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 this is sound, sounds real murky. I could just name a higher authority. No, if there's a higher authority, I need to know who he is. And they've gotten saved. One of my best friends got saved because of the 12 steps and going through NA and AA, right? So Pete, the people in your life, just, just the people in your life, the people in your life are going to make a huge difference in your life. Now, let me give you guys something very, very practical, right? A couple years ago, I had to make some changes in my life. I read this amazing book called Power of Habit. Power of Habit talked about keystone habits, finding that one keystone habit that if you change this one habit, all your other habits will change in your life. You find one habit, change this habit, all the other habits will change in your life. So Power of Habit talks about changing personal habits, uh, changing communal habits, like changing communities, and then national habits, changing changing nations, right? And it's a really good book. I highly recommend it. They, they do... Uh, they, they talk a lot about recovery from drugs and that kind of stuff. They also talk about recover. Uh, they also talk about changing communities, and they highlight Rick Warren's church and how they Saddleback Church transformed that entire area. And then they also talk about changing nations and societies. And they talk about the civil rights movement, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. It's it's a really good book. So when we're talking about faith, first we have to just start and say, listen. Jesus did the saving. Jesus renewed our minds. Jesus gave us new desires. Jesus regenerated us, okay? That doesn't mean that Jesus just automatically does all the work for you. You still got some work in there, right? You still got some work in there. So with that, um, you have to then get around some new people, get around some healthy people, get around some people that are going to affirm you and empower you to grow and to have breakthrough. And then you have to examine your own habits and understand that now that I have a new heart, I got some work to do. I got some things I need to adjust. And so in my life, I knew that I needed to make some adjustments, and I am in a notorious night out, notorious night out, and I discovered that the nighttime, the evening time, your body has a certain limited amount of willpower, meaning that your willpower, your willpower is not an infinite resource. It's a finite resource, okay? So your willpower depletes throughout the day. The longer you go and the later you stay up, the less willpower you have. 
Okay, and I found myself doing things I didn't want to do, eating food I didn't want to eat, looking at things I didn't want to eat when I would stay up late at night till three, four in the morning, five in the morning working on music. Because I was a musician, that's what we do. We stay up super late. I'm a night owl. And I read this book, Power of Habit. I started discovering how important sleep was. And I said, you know what? The most important keystone habit, the thing that I that if I change this, I have a feeling if I change this, Everything else about my life will change. And I said, you know what? I'm going to rewire. I I discovered this thing about the circadian rhythm. I discovered this idea that your peak sleep is actually between 10 and 2 p.m. 10 10 p.m. and 2 a.m., excuse me. Between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. is where you're going to get some of your best sleep. How important your sleep cycle was. And I said, you know what? I'm not naturally an early morning person. I've never been that. And a couple years ago, I started changing my habits. I started intentionally waking up between 5.30 and 6 a.m. every morning, getting to the gym, because if I wake up early, I need to be somewhere. I'm just going to take my butt back to sleep. And I started waking up early, getting my butt to the gym. On the way to the gym, I'm worshiping. I'm listening to the audio Bible. Then when I'm in the gym, we continue worshiping. I'm listening to maybe a Bible study teaching. So Mike Winger, maybe we're playing worship at the gym uh, when I do my personal training stuff. And that one habit literally revolutionized everything for me from the way I ate to the way I interacted with people to my productivity the rest of the day to how sharp I was to the time that it allotted me. And it took a lot of work and a lot of restraint. But what I knew was that I needed to just start with one thing and I needed just to start with one day. I really just needed to start with one day. So this is a passage many of us are familiar for uh, familiar with Joshua 24 verse 15. He says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates river or the gods of the Amorites in the in whose land you were living. But, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. What's interesting about this passage to me that stands out, and this is a famous passage, many of us have heard it, but what's, what's interesting about this passage to me is he says, choose this day, choose this day. And I think he's specifically talking about like, choose right now. Choose, you got to make the choice right now. Make that choice right now. Choose this day. And I don't, I don't think he's saying it like as in like this day and era. I mean, he's literally meaning choose this day, this specific day, um, whom you will serve. Choose this day. And here's what I discovered is that if you make the choice one day, just make the make one day, that one day, just do start on day one. Start on day one and, and, and figure out what that keystone habit is. Because here's the truth. Here's the truth. Most of us, most of us can do the things we know we need to do on day one. Most of us know what it is that we need to do on day one. We're willing to do it. And this is what I thought about. I thought about, yo, I say that I'm not a morning person. I say that I don't like the mornings. I say I can't function in the mornings. I don't like to be up in the mornings, right? But then I thought, whenever I have an early morning flight for a show, somehow I manage to get my butt up and get my butt up at 4.30 and get to the airport by 5.30. Somehow I manage to make all those flights. Somehow I managed to make it a priority to get up and, and, and be where I needed to be when I needed to be there, right? And in your own life, that keystone habit that you know you need to adjust. For me, it was, it was waking up, it was changing my, my sleeping pattern, right? But in your own life, 
Whatever it is, that thing you need to start and do this day, okay? You can do it once, fam. You could do it once. You could do it once. And, 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 and think of it like this. If you knew you had to be somewhere, if you knew that this was that important, you can make it happen once. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. So uh, we, we, I, was, I was thinking about this today with my son. Um, he stayed up late Wednesday. We had this whole debacle over him needing to have the full cupcake and not the half cupcake, even though he had two cupcakes at night. And I was like, son, you can't have the full cupcake. Mom said, no, you already had a bunch of cupcakes. Okay, so um, have half a cupcake because that's what mom said you can. He was, you know, it was this big old ordeal. And he ended up going to bed later. He ended up going to bed later. He woke up later. So the bad the decision for the decision if you want to if you want to change your mornings you, you first got to change your evenings. He made a poor decision at night. He was upset. He couldn't have the cupcake. It was a real big deal. So he got he went to bed later. My son is six, by the way, and and I feel like a lot of times that's 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 God in our lives, right? Like, hey, you, I know you think you want this thing, but listen, what's really in your best interest is that you don't do this thing. It's actually in your best interest. So he wakes up late. He um he wakes up late. He he doesn't do his piano lesson. He shows up to piano late. It, it disrupts his whole day. And it wasn't like the end of the world, but it, you know, there was, there was a consequence to that action. I had to wake him up. I never have to go in and wake him up. I had to wake him up. And then on Friday, we play basketball Friday mornings, me and a bunch of guys, really dope group of guys. We play basketball and he, he's been coming with me to play basketball and he really wants to go with dad and the guys to, to play basketball. Now, he doesn't, obviously, he doesn't play full court basketball with us. He hangs out on the side, and then in between games, he'll shoot around, and then we'll all kind of play together and pretend that, you know, he's playing with us, even though he's six, right? But it's important to him. That commitment to show up to play basketball on Friday morning was important to him. It was so important to him that he made sure he got his butt to bed early, got his butt to bed on time. Thursday night to get up Friday, Friday morning. It was so important to him that in the middle of the night, he went into our bed. My son usually wakes around, wakes up around eight. He went, goes into our bed in the middle of the night. He wakes up at like 645, right? I'm still asleep. I don't got to be at basketball until 715. It's my day to sleep in. Gosh, darn it. What are you doing? Fridays are sleep in, Levi. He wakes up at 645. And made it a priority, adjusted his behavior to get there and be in bed and to wake me up because he wanted to go play basketball that bad. He was willing to make the sacrifice because him showing up and playing basketball was that important to him. He was willing to to, to get up early, to, to wake me up, to make sure that we were ready to go. It was that important to him. And so the question is, Whatever it is you want freedom in, you know, he's not going to be able to do that every day. His body hasn't adjusted to that. He's not going to be able to go to sleep at 7 every day so he could be up at 6.30. And I actually wouldn't want him to do that for my wife's sake because that's when I'm in the gym, right? But he was able to do it. He was able to make it happen. He was able to make the decision to get his butt up because it was important to him. Because it was a priority to him. Because... He really wanted on what was on the other side of getting to basketball. He really wanted to see my friends who I play with that have a good time and Connor plays with him because 
it was important to him. And so when it says choose this day, make the choice for one day to press into that habit you know you need to change. Make the make that make that decision and start with day one. Start with day one because you could do it for one day. You could do it for one day and you could probably do it for two days because if it's enough of a priority to you, you will make it happen. It was enough of a priority. My son wakes up at 8.45 and is late to his music class at 9.30, but somehow he miraculously is able to wake up two hours earlier the very next day because he wanted to be a basketball so bad. The question is, do you want to be a basketball? The question is, do you believe that you can be free from whatever it is, that thing that's bogging down on you. The question is, do you have people in your life that you are looking forward to seeing because they're they're those lifelines of inspiration? They're those lifelines of hope. You could do anything once. You could do anything twice. You could do anything a hundred times, right? And so I'm not, I'm not sitting here trying to flex and gloat as if I'm some guy that has it all together. I'm not. If you've watched my Exposed series, you know how much of an issue issues I've had in my life. I'm telling you that I had to make a decision. I had to choose. What do I really want? Do I want to be this guy that just lives life and, 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 and just kind of, you know, just kind of mediocre and kind of just deals with... This, this thing that, that I'm super ashamed of and embarrassed of, and it just sucks. And I'm not very confident. And man, it was d- dealing with pornography, me becoming successful, me dealing with sexual addiction, me becoming successful actually wouldn't even have been a blessing. Me, me, me making more money wouldn't be a blessing. Me having more attention wouldn't even have been a blessing. It would have been a curse because I probably wouldn't have learned how to handle that. Right. And so I'm limiting. I'm God in his sovereignty is protecting me from not experiencing success because I haven't gotten through my junk. Right. And again, guys, I'm not sitting here acting like I'm perfect. I'm saying that I've seen deliverance and freedom in this specific area. So is it is it enough of a priority for you? Because you could do anything once. Right. And then just start with day one. Choose this day. Now, I'm going to leave you guys with this last point, which is so many of us. So many of us view the world and everything in the world and everything that, that's coming from a non-Christian as just utterly evil and repulsive. And here's the thing we forget. We forget, one, that God made the world and God created order and God is the master of all psychology, sociology, all these different ologies, and that God is ultimately good and is ultimately on the throne and that there are amazing things that can be used from the world to our benefit. What am I talking about? I'll give you guys a very good example. If I was playing basketball this morning and I rolled my ankle, the first thing I would have done is I would have looked at my brothers, my Christian brothers, and I would say, yo, come pray for me. My, I rolled my ankle. And they would have prayed for me and we would have believed for healing my ankle. And now, I would have believed for God to heal that ankle. But if three days later, the swelling of my ankle has not gone down, two, 24 hours later, you know what I'm doing? I'm taking my butt to the doctor, fam. Taking my butt to the doctor. I'm going to see what the heck is wrong with my ankle. Because that could be a fracture. It may not be my ankle. It might be my Achilles. It might be something I need surgery for. Taking my butt to the doctor. A a, a hundred years ago, you couldn't even probably fix an Achilles. Right? Like, you were just done. You couldn't do surgery on an ACL. 
right? I go see specialists to fix the parts of my body that are jacked up so that I can enjoy basketball. When you go through life and you have issues, mental health issues, you have a sprained brain, right? Go see a specialist about that. Go seek out help. If it's not incompatible with the gospel, if it's not incompatible, go go get help. Go seek out professional help. We compartmentalize this thing and we say, oh, yeah, you know, if I break my leg, I'm going to the doctor. But if I if, if there's something off of my brain chemistry, well, you know, I'm just going to get the anointing oil and, 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 and wait for deliverance. Maybe God wants to deliver you through a freaking therapist. Maybe God wants to deliver you through a psychologist. Maybe God wants to deliver you through some group therapy. Who knows? We compartmentalize and we dismiss that all these things, unless it's coming from a Christian when it comes to our mental health, we just dismiss all of it as evil. And you got a bunch of Christians walking around depressed at the same rate, dealing with anxiety at the same rate, dealing with addiction at the same rate, and 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 doing it with one arm tied behind their back because it's some weird, bizarre, toxic theology that says mental health is really a spiritual issue. If you fix your spirit, the mental health. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes that's true. But sometimes you need to go see the freaking sports medicine doctor and get your ACL fixed if you want to be normal on the basketball court again. If playing basketball is that much of a of a priority to you, you will figure out how to get your butt up and get to basketball, and then you will figure out if I'm hurt, how will I get this injury fixed? How would I get this injury fixed? Go see the specialist in whatever area you're dealing with to get it fixed. I know, know, like, for some of you guys, this is, like, very commonsensical. But some of you guys, like, really need to hear me on this. Some of y'all really need to go to therapy. Some of y'all really need to, like, get some help. If you're in this loop and and you have accountability and you've done everything you can do and you're coming from gnarly sexual trauma like I was... You know what? God can do miracles, but sometimes God also wants to use doctors. God also wants to use psychologists. God also wants to use therapists. God also wants to use psychology, medicine, all these different things, right? So don't be so closed off to the idea of God using something that's outside of the spiritual side to heal you. He could use both. And in my life, he used both. He used me having to make some specific lifestyle changes. He used people to empower me and inspire me, people that gone where I haven't gone yet. Right? And 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 it's and it was a holistic transformation that took time and I had to make a choice even though at times it didn't really feel like much of a choice. Even though at times I I lived my life as if I was just stuck in Romans 7 and I never really jumped into Romans 8. I never really got the full revelation that, man, if Jesus declares me righteous and it's the kindness of God that leads me to repentance and he literally went to the cross and bore it all, the very least I can do is live my life by his ways and consistently press into Jesus. doesn't mean I'm going to be perfect. It doesn't mean I'm not going to deal with sin. It doesn't mean I'm not going to deal with all the different things that life is going to throw at me. It doesn't mean I'm not going to fail. But what it does mean is these things are not going to have a stronghold over me. It does mean that I can walk in freedom. It does mean that I can live an abundant, flourishing life. It does mean that I could be the type of father that my son needs, that I could be the type of husband that my wife needs. 
And I have to, and, and I'm going to remain this person because I'm going to be congruent. I'm not going to show up here and talk about a bunch of stuff that I'm not living out. And there are people that need you to get it together so that your ministry, your voice, your testimony will be that much more powerful. Because you've gone through some stuff that, that only, only a certain group of people have gone through and they need your voice and your testimony and, and how you overcame these things. Maybe it won't be changing your sleep pattern and getting in shape and getting fit like the way it was for me. Maybe it'll be something different. Right? Maybe it'll be something different. So hopefully this stuff is helping, man. Hopefully this stuff is encouraging. Um, I am not. I am not trying to um, speak down on anybody, guys. Please hear me. I'm. I'm. I'm really not. I'm, I'm. My heart for all of us is that we can walk in freedom. My heart for all of us is that we can. We can kill our sin. My heart for all of us is that we can overcome addiction. My heart for all of us is that we would see that it's. It's a deeper issue. That though that that, that that addiction is a deeper issue. If you want to look look up more about addiction, there's a dope TED talk called "Everything You Think You Know About Addiction Is Wrong," and it connects addiction and crime and all these different things. It is in your best interest, your family's best interest, society's best interest that you would work through these things so that you could be a whole healthy person, so that you could be of maximum impact. In your ministry, in your family, across the board. It's in everybody's best interest that we get healthy people serving Jesus. Thank you so much for hanging out. If you found this video valuable, give it a thumbs up, please, for the YouTube algorithm. And make sure you're subscribed. 51% of you guys who watch this channel regularly are not subscribed. If you want to partner with what we're doing here, King's Dream Patreon community, the most talented community. King's Dream Entertainment. Bruce Lawn. I saw my mama smile through the silhouette. Sunshine and all, sunshine and all. But she don't know that I still feel like we ain't made it yet. No, I ain't. Holy smokes, you made it through the entire episode. Shout out to you probably means you're rocking with what we're doing and again we ain't got no sponsors on this show and i'm gonna keep it that way but what you can do to keep it sponsor free is consider signing up for our king's dream patreon the link is in the description of this episode best way to get a hold of me best way to hop into a group zoom call and the best way to partner with what we're doing here help us create more stuff just like this thank you for listening peace